Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Sometimes you got to just tune yourself up and remind yourself every now and then through a praise uh, that God is the highest God. How many of you know that he is the highest God? Yes, 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 yes. Amen. We're going to get right down to business. Time is tight. We got another gathering, so we want to we want to honor the Lord with our time. Um, it all, I feel like um, through 2 Corinthians, we have taken more breaks um, from our series in that book um, than we've ever taken through during the exposition of preaching. But there's no way in the world um, that this Sunday that I was going to open the Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 after the week many of us have had. Uh, somebody should have said amen real loud right there. And so, as an alternative exegetical option, uh, why don't you stand to your feet and homiletically help me read <laughs> Psalm 24. Psalm 24. Sometimes you, know, you just need to be grounded. Look at somebody next to you and say, neighbor. neighbor. Sometimes, Sometimes you, just need you just need to be grounded. To be grounded. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's read together. Let's read together. On three. One, two, three, go. Yeah. Just based on the reading, you should give him a praise. Just based on the word of God, you should give him a praise. Amen. Amen. Uh, today, I want to talk about just briefly and simply, in God we trust. In God we trust. Let's go before him. Father, we thank you. We trust you. Um, and we um, sometimes forget about that and forget about how big you are, how massive you are in the imminent circumstances that we're in. And so God rush through this place today and wash over it by your spirit and do only what you can do and let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable, acceptable, acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength, our redeemer in whom we trust and enthrall us with you, Lord God, and have a bigger view of you today than before. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, at some point... <laughs> This week, I just had to get off social media. Um, um, you, you ever been in a bad place emotionally and mentally, and you were expecting to be around some folk that would help you make it better, but they were maybe in a worse condition than you? And so you were like, you know what? I need to fall back because this is going to put me in a place that I forgot I used to be like. 
And, and, and so this week for many of us, no matter where you stirred the poles up with your hands, um, you found yourself in a disposition with uh, this particular presidency, um, which like not uh, many presidencies uh, since I would say the 70s show and reflect the most uh, vicious divide that has been exposed, not made. Uh, uh, um, um, there, there, there wasn't a divide made in this country through this election. Um, there was a divide that existed prior to this election. And, 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 and all it did was expose. Somebody say expose. expose. But, 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 but for me, family of God, I, I, I actually um, um, realize that the world should be divided. Okay? But, but, but what's unclear and confusing is when you come to the house of God and you find that there are divides that match the world. Um, and the divide in the church that matches the world is extremely disappointing because the divide is centered not really on political things, but spiritual things. And what has happened is, is we have not listened to each other, we haven't talked to each other, and we show that many times Christians in this country act more like distant relatives who just met than people who have been to 20 family reunions with one another. And, and, and in light of that reality, there has to be some type of grounding. Somebody say grounding. grounding. There has to be some grounding for us uh, to be frustrated uh, with a, a, a leader that we're going to pray for um, in their communication against homosexuals. And when we talk about that, we're talking about their imago day not agreeing with homosexuality. We're talking about how they talk, how a person talks about Muslims. And if you have Muslim friends and, 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 you, and you affirm that, you're going to find distance and not gospel grounding with them. Uh, um, 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 then ethnic minorities and particularly Mexicans and Latinos who I believe are extremely uh, uh, offended by some of those things. And we're really, really, to be honest, um, sometimes you need something to happen on earth so that you can look up to heaven. Now, 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 the issue, though, is when we look to heaven, we don't forget about earth. See, keeping your mind on things above is to help you to not lose your mind on earth. See, because see, if you don't train yourself in Christ to begin to live here with a heavenly mindset that is true heavenly mindedness that has earthly good, then you will lose your mind at every turn of the wind of leadership, every turn of the wind of natural disaster, every financial brokenness, every challenge in your life. You will find yourself in depressive degradation, losing your mind if you don't learn to look to heaven. And so we look at a passage today. We look at a passage that um, seems out of place, but it's interesting that it's placed right after Psalm 23. This Psalm is, Psalm 23 is about the Lord being the good shepherd. But then it, it starts with talking about the good shepherd to pointing now in Psalm 24 to the great king. And every now and then you need to have your mind placed on the glory of a great king when everything else around you is shattering and falling apart. And so in light of this Psalm, this is a pilgrim Psalm. And as a pilgrim Psalm, it's not a Psalm of ascent per se, 
like the, the 120s, but it's a psalm, a, a pilgrimage psalm, and they would read this as they would go to holy days. Now, as they would go to certain holy days, they would begin to sing this psalm as they would ascend uh, to Jerusalem uh, because Jerusalem was in a particular location. No matter whether you come from north, south, east, or west, uh, you had to go up to Jerusalem. In, in other words, at the top of Jerusalem, at the highest pinnacle, was the temple of the Lord. And at the highest of heights is where you would notice that the holies of holies is there. And so they would make their pilgrimage and they would begin singing this beautiful psalm uh, based on them having had come from difficulty, having dealt with challenging leadership, having lost children, having gone through all different types of things. The people of God needed to at times in the midst of that take a pilgrimage to realign their souls with the Lord. Every now and then, you need to let your heart take a pilgrimage. Your heart needs to take a pilgrimage to help you to recognize that earth is real, but it's not eternal. And if you don't get that through your mind, you will let every shifting shadow of earth shatter you. And so, and so, so I want to encourage you today, don't let the shifting shadows of earth shatter you, but help it to point you and to look up to the Shekinah glory of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we come here to my first point. Looking at in God we trust. Number one, Yahweh's sovereignty over creation should settle your heart. Yahweh's sovereignty over all creation should settle your heart. Somebody say settle. Settle. Yeah, it says the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. I like this passage, but many of us use this for personal provision. Like when you, when, you, when you need God to do something financially, you're like, the earth is the Lord's, hallelujah, and the fullness thereof. I feel you, God. And you're going in, ready, because you need a personal move of God. But really, this is bigger than your personal finances. It, 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 the fullness thereof means every nook and cranny is God's. In, in, other, in, other, in other words, every single thing on planet earth belongs to him. In, in other words, if everything belongs to him, then he's over everything that belongs to him. Matter of fact, he's over everything on a molecular scale. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus Christ holds all things together. In other words, you thought it was the nucleus and the protons and the electrons holding everything together, but Jesus Christ has made himself like the superhero Adam, and he's on the atomic, the subatomic level, spiritually holding and binding molecules together, holding and binding elements together, holding and binding the ability for you to stay together. Listen, I don't know about you, but I need to know every now and then that God is holding some stuff together in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, better, you better know. You better, you better get used to stuff not working out. Because if you don't, because, because stuff is going to not work out based on man's plans, and God has created that as a divine assignment for you to be settled in him. And if you don't learn how to do that, you're going to lose your mind. And so, so, but it not only does everything from the birds, the clouds, the beasts, the mammals, the fish, the air, the storms, the good, the bad, the unearthed minerals and its resources and governments belong to the Lord. Everything, even the wood that the House of Representatives and Senate sit on was spoke into existence thousands of years ago by the Lord. 
And so if God spoke those things into existence, and it's the fullness of his, that means we have a reality of hope that even though somebody seems big, they ain't as big as they gonna be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's beautiful, it says, what I like about the verse though, is it says, those, pointing to not just stuff, but people. So even if somebody doesn't know Jesus Christ is their savior, they may not be a child of God, but they belong to God. What do I mean they belong to God? In other words, they're under his control. Listen, there is nothing that sneaks past the fingers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I I, I don't know about you, but I I went to bed early on Tuesday because I didn't want to see everything come out. Can I be honest? But but, but the next day, my, my alarm phone went off. And I woke up. And you know what? I opened the window. And I looked up in the, cl- in the sky, and the clouds were still there. I looked, and I still had mobility of my limbs. I took in a deep breath. I opened the door, and I took a deep breath, and I was able to breathe. I blinked my eyes a few times, and I turned around a few times. I looked at my wife, and I looked at my children, and I looked in my refrigerator, and I looked out at my cars, and I, 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 I looked at the fact, I said, hold on. You mean to tell me that this election didn't stop the universe from being held in its place? I'm just trying to tell you, I'm just trying to tell you, this election did not move anything. And and, and God God wanted us to take a deep breath and say, listen, y'all, I'm still, like, shorty don't move nothing on me, man. Like, God, like, I seen kings come, and I seen cats go, but I'm still sitting right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what's beautiful is about verse 2. Verse 2 is beautiful because it says, For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it on the rivers. Now, this is beautiful figurative language. Now, euphemistically, they're using figurative language, but the Bible doesn't take into account science. It uses people's modern day understanding and engage them with what they understood creation to be like in order to help them to see a divine reality. So in their folklore, they believe that the water was all of the land masses that they were on just sat suspended on water. And and basically, they began to talk about the fact that this is the foundation for everything. But what they were talking about is in their idea is that for them, the waves was chaotic. They've seen storms and they've seen all different types of things. In other words, one commentator says, this points to the chaos of everything. And in pointing to the chaos of everything, God created dry land in the midst of chaos. Okay, you're not talking back to me. In other words, in Genesis chapter one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and they were tohu vuvohu. They were formless and void. In other words, it was chaotic and a mess. But what it's saying is that God stepped out on a mess, and the mess didn't bother him. Because he was about to do something to get rid of the mess. And the, what he did with the mess is he didn't touch the mess, he spoke to the mess. Help me today. 
And when he spoke into the mess, that which wasn't in existence moved the chaos out of existence and said, I got to come in existence because God said so. And so in that reality, when it showed the people of God as they were taking their ascent up to the holy mount of Zion, their lives were in chaos. But they knew a God who in the midst of chaos, in the midst of mess, in the midst of destruction, could speak life into their situation despite all this going on. I don't know what your heart is going through. I don't know what your mind is going through. But I know things look chaotic. But no matter how chaotic it is, God is able to make chaos be the foundation for his order. God is, God is able, God is able out of chaos to make order. It was interesting. I was speaking in D.C. by Dallas Airport uh, yesterday, and it was all, uh, all, all white brothers. I, I know it was a Republican crowd, and I'm not Republican or Democrat. I'm theocratic, so, you know, you get that on the way home. Uh, I'm not bipartisan. I'm tripartisan. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, but, but, um, but what was interesting, what's interesting is this guy came up to me, like this white brother. He was, he was feeling everything that was going on. And he was like, he's like, brother, I know that was a hard room. He came up to me, he had on suspenders, you know. He had, he had his little, um, the, the, you, know, you know, he had the, the ink pens in his pocket. You know what I'm saying? So you know he was a thinker, you know what I'm saying? So he came up to me, he came up to me, his pants were pulled up real high. He had his glasses like this. And he said, Dr. Mason, he said, it's interesting what you're talking about and what you've been telling us today. Um, he said, because I, I used to work for the Defense Department. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. He said, and what I did was I was, what it, it, we don't, we're not like prophets or anything, but he said, what we would do is based on our, he, he said, I'm like a defense projection engineer. I'm like, oh, okay, what, what is that? I never heard of that. And he said, well, what we do is we based on certain atmospheric ideas and leadership profiles and our understanding of foreign policy and foreign governments, plug a leader and his profile into our system to see what the outcomes of his leadership would be as it pertains to public security. And I'm just, you know, I'm there, I'm ready to take notes. I'm like, talk to me, dog. I need some wisdom. You understand what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And so he's walking through all of this stuff. He's going, da 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 He landed out, and then he said, and we plugged Trump into it. And he said, they're not listening to us. And he said, but we're, he started laying all this stuff out. And, and I found myself going into the statistic black hole and saying, man, if they predict this, this could happen. If they predict this and if this happened, then now the Cold War is beginning to happen all over again because of Russia. And we don't want beef with Russia because they do have those old unarmed uh, nuclear missiles. And then, dag, they messing with China. And then you got North Korea. Oh, it's going to be wrecked soon. Boom. And then we beefing with them. And then the UK is separated. And I'm going, I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on, let me, let, me, let me get myself together. I said, because if I find myself in the minutiae of man's predictions and not finding myself 
in the mindset of a king and the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the life giver who even in the midst of this election is able, listen, and I know you may not like it, to turn the heart of the leader. Let me just say this. What if God is laughing on his throne? What if God said, I'm going to put somebody up there that don't have no political experience. I'm going to put somebody up there that's going to not have any tact or any type of public candor or dignity. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to save that dude. I'm going to transform him by my power because if I would have transformed him before it and put him in office, they wouldn't have voted for him. But because they like foolishness, I'm going to put him up. Mm. Now, he's going to be a chaos maker, a foolish talker, a, mon- a misogynist. But when I put my hands on him and when I, what if God, this whole thing is some type of racket from heaven set up to change things to the glory of God. Now, you may be looking at me funny because, listen, listen, but let me tell you something. I'm going to pray to that end. I'm going to believe to that end. I'm going to call on his name to that end. Shame on you if you don't believe the impossible. Shame on you if you focus on the statistics. Shame on you if you focus on the chaos because that's not how we were born again. We weren't bred to focus on the mess. We were born to rise above it. I got to move. I got to move. Next point, point two. Yahweh's people pursue him, period. We pursue him. Look, look at what the text says. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in the holy place? Uh, it's interesting as it begins to go. It says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his or her soul to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. Let me just do a poll in here. Now you got to understand, ascending to the, whole, the hill of the Lord is a person believing that on their own, they can just walk into God's presence without God's help. Now, anybody that would admit that they can walk up and ascend to God's presence and then stand in this holy presence on their own is a liar. There is nobody on this planet anymore that um, can do that. Matter of fact, he says, whose hands are clean and who has a pure heart by show of hands. How many of you have never touched nothing you had no business touching? Amen. Um, Next question. Next question. How many of you have never thought evil in your heart? Uh. In other words, so all of us are fully, unadulteratedly disqualified from walking up there on our own. But what would happen is the priest would stand in. And when the priest would stand in, he would uh, uh, point to the fact that Yahweh, through atonement, has dealt with their sin, thereby giving them the worthiness based on his worthiness to allow them to walk up and stand before him. That's why I'm glad for Jesus Christ. I'm glad for the Lord Jesus Christ is because he is the one that can make us worthy to stand before the living God and to stand before his throne. And what is God's call in this passage is to not let any sin that you and I have get in the way of us. No mess get in the way of us pursuing the face of the Lord. 
You, you have to, in the midst of this, you got to shut some stuff. Just shut off Facebook. Just for a little while. I just want to know something, something. Shut off Twitter, shut off Instagram, shut off Boomerang, you know what I'm saying? Shut, shut off Snapchat, shut it all off, shut it all off. Just for a little while, and don't, don't, don't read no articles, don't read no statistics, don't look at the magazine stand while you're waiting in line to pay for your food at Fresh Gross or wherever you go, Whole Foods for those, you know, who do what they do. Um, but, 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 I'm, but I'm just letting you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta you, your mind needs to fast sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Your mind, your listen, listen, I'm just telling you, and don't start your day, and, and I'm guilty of this too, opening my phone, the first thing I do, to see what's in the news feed. Get some, get in this news feed. Get, get in this news feed. Get in this news feed. And, 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 the, Bible, and the Bible points to the fact in this section um, that this is what happens. Uh, he said, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. It's interesting. Here in this passage, um, this, this word righteousness can be translated justice, okay? Um, so here is not necessarily talking about intrinsic righteousness, but extrinsic righteousness. Intrinsic righteousness is the imputation of God's holiness to those who believe in him. By faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone. But here it's probably talking about extrinsic righteousness, which is justice. And because the context of this passage is vindication within the context of war. And so because of that, in relation to the pilgrims coming up, having had dealt with a lot of stuff, they needed some stuff fixing. And so what they would do is they would seek the face of the Lord. Now, what this is beautiful to me, it shows me something interesting, is that God's people always sought out the justice, number one. And number two, God's people sat under all kinds of leaders. Okay. (coughs) See, I wish some of the cloud of witnesses would just appear on the stage. It would freak me out. But, but if they just stood and began to proclaim, let me, let, me just, let me just show you what kind of leaders the people of God have had to endure under and still walk in faithfulness to the Lord. Now I'm going to start with the first human leaders, Adam and Eve. They tore everything up. So all of us are imputed with their unrighteousness at conception. That's why at conception, people are alive. That's for free. Um, next, Noah had alcohol issues. He was supposed to be the new Adam, failed. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, liars. Pharaoh had a hardened heart. All the priests failed. Judges, you know how that ended. Samson, oh God. <laughs> you got Saul, he served the Lord with no heart. You have David, he served the Lord with 75% of his heart. And Solomon saved the Lord with half of his heart. Rehoboam split the kingdom. The kings of Israel, wicked. Wicked than a mug. I'm talking about, they, they, I mean, they, they, I mean, you, you know when your testimony as a king starts off, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's how I just began. You just read that. Just, just, just the whole mess. You got the kings of Judah that tried but still messed up. Then they got, went into captivity under Assyria, Israel. Bad stuff. They, they suffered under Nebuchadnezzar. God's people suffered under Artaxerxes of Persia. They suffered under Caesar, the Herods, uh, Nero, who used to light Christians at night uh, and oil them down and light them to light his camp at night. 
And then God writes 1 Thessalonians and 1 and 2 Peter about faithfulness and standing up to government and engaging government in the midst of all that type of leadership. So if you see that for times of millennia that the people of God have survived, they're looking at us like we're crazy. Why? Because we have a watered down disposition towards our call as believers. See, see, we, we, see, see our, our American Christianity, we think we can legislate ourselves out of suffering for Jesus. <laughs> see, see, God may have to take away our religious freedom. <clears throat> see, whenever God's people have favor and opportunity and freedom, we become apathetic spiritually. But if you look at historically, when God's people had the worst of time, they were the most on fire for God. Because see, sometimes, listen, freedom doesn't help you to know you need God. Now I'm not saying let's go back in slavery, and I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that believers have lived under the curtain of grace in a way that we haven't been thankful for the grace but we've had a disposition of becoming entitled. And, and, and our entitlement has caused us to forget that we need the Lord. And so God sometimes throws a curveball at his people to help us to be reminded of the fact that we need the God of heaven. <laughs> lastly, lastly, I gotta go. <coughs> lastly, Yahweh's people place their confidence in his power over all things. This is the part that's interesting because it says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. In other words, the king of glory isn't coming in until you open some stuff up. Okay, okay. Um, I'm gonna say this a different way. God is personifying the gates and the ancient doors and giving them characterization or personification and speaking of them in human terms of opening themselves up as if they have a personality. The gates represented the disposition, how you dealt with the gates. If somebody came to the gate and you didn't know them, you would open the little joint up, you know what I'm saying? And say, what you want, right? Then if they didn't say the right answer, clat out, then some people would, hold their spears up and light them up from the top, right? But so, so in other words, what you're supposed to do usually at the gates is check who's coming in. But the picture here is different. The picture is you can see someone already coming towards you. And as you see them coming towards you, they shouldn't have to be invited in. They should have everything open up so that they can freely come in and reign among you. See, what he's saying in the passage is telling us to open up every single thing in our life and let the Lord come in and reign in our life. I don't know what's closed in your life. I don't know what's off limits in your life, but I'm trying to let you know that the people of God as a unified front need to open up everything in the kingdom of the church and in the church and in the world to say, God, we want to invite you to come in. We don't want you to have to knock on the door. We don't want you to have to ring the doorbell. We don't want you to leave us a message. We don't want you to call. We want to know you're coming, and we just want to open everything up and that you would come in. Huh. <coughs> say, who is this king of glory? Because they're asking. They're asking. They say, who is that coming? Who is this king of glory? And somebody says, oh, it's the Lord. 
I like that. Yahweh, the covenant keeper. Yahweh, the way maker. Yahweh, the mind regulator. Yahweh, the heart fixer. Yahweh, the Lord. Let, if, 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 if I knew that he was coming, I'd say, let him in. Let him in. Let him in. It says, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. It's either that he's going, <clears throat> he's coming in from battle or preparing for battle. But this points to something greater than the Ark of the Covenant coming in to the building. It points to a time, one day, where God the Father is going to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Because remember Jesus told us in my house, there's many mansions and many dwellings. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And so one day God the Father who only knows the time in which everything's coming to an end, is gonna look to his right and tell his son, it's time. The Lord Jesus Christ, is gonna get up off his throne and throw back his robe and it's gonna be going in the wind and his, he's gonna, he's gonna get up on his horse with his golden bulletproof vest and he has two tattoos on his thigh. He has one that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In Hebrew on the other side, he has a secret name that him and only his pops knows. Read the Bible, Jesus had tattoos. And then, and then all of a sudden, the four corners of the wind, one angel is gonna turn back, another angel is gonna turn back, another angel is gonna turn back, and all this chaos is gonna be going on on planet Earth. Chaos of the unveiled spiritual realm having its way with creation. But at the worst point, at the nastiest point, at the ugliest point of all things, God the Father is gonna push Jesus to come. And when he gets on his horse, an angel is gonna bring it, he's gonna get on his horse, and then all of a sudden, myriads of myriads and myriads of believers who have went home to be with the Lord are going to all of a sudden mount their horses, grandmothers and grandfathers and old slaves who never seen the glory of what's about to happen. They're going to mount their horses from generations and generations and generations and generations ago. And then heaven is going to open up and God is going to come and Jesus is going to open his mouth and he's going to slay his enemies with his tongue. And he's going to throw death and Hades into the lake of fire. And then as a sword, he's going to wipe their blood on his coat like this. And it's going to disappear and evaporate. He's going to dismount, drop down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. All the books of life will be open. A full, full ultra HD TV for everybody's life to be seen. And after he's done, he's going to get back on his horse. And as he's riding from the valley of Jehoshaphat, Jerusalem is going to drop out of heaven and it's going to slowly come down and it's going to sit on the mount and the new Jerusalem is going to come and then the earth is going to go back like a curtain and heaven is going to go back like a curtain and new heavens and new earth is going to come and then the doors are going to finally open. They're going to say, guess what they're going to say here? They're going to say, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors. He's going to dismount his horse. He's going to go like this and wipe himself off. And his dreadlocks are going to be flying in the wind in gray. And he's going to be walking towards the kingdom. And the doors are going to open. And everybody will be surrounding the new Jerusalem, worshiping the Lord. And he's going to be coming in looking fly as he can look with his brass ankles and his sandals on. He's going to be walking in there. And then everybody's going to drop to their knees that's in there as he walks through. And he's going to walk through. He's going to walk through the middle. Muscles glistening, going through with all might and all power. The flame in his eyes are finally going to go out. 
they're going to turn back to their natural color because the wrath time is over. And when the wrath time is over, he's going to go and then all of a sudden a tabernacle is going to come from heaven. And then he's going to snap his fingers and all of the king's diadems are going to form into one fitted kingdom crown. And he's going to put it on his head as he walks up to his throne at the top of Zion in the holiest of holies. And he's going to sit on his throne. And then before he sits on his throne, he's going to bow before God the Father whose tabernacle is going to be among men. He's going to take off his diadem and say, Father, I hand the kingdom back to you. God the Father is going to stand. He's going to put the crown back on his head. Then he's going to say, son, stand at the highest point. It's time. And then he's going to quote that great verse in Corinthians. Everybody under earth in hell, everybody on earth and everybody above earth, bow now. And soon as God the Father says bow, they are going to say, everybody's going to fall to their knees and announce Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father for the first time in history. Lift up your heads, O ye gates and O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? Who is the one with majesty? Who is the one with might? It's the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, strong and mighty, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, that Jesus Christ may come in. (coughs) Our passion and our desire is that that's the picture of true leadership. That's the picture of a community under glorious submission to the ruler of lights and the Lord of hosts. There will be no more need for armies. There'll be no more elections. There will be no more disappointments. The constitution would burn because it's an imperfect document written by imperfect people, applied imperfectly to everybody except for themselves. But Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away before any jot and tittle of this passes away. I wanna challenge you, family of God. I wanna challenge you to look into heaven's cliff notes called the Bible. It's just cliff notes, God couldn't give us everything. He just gave us some of everything so that we can see everything. And so my prayer is that we as the believers will begin to not put our confidence in whether or not who is in office is gonna change anything. Because our hope is not in anybody in office. We, we vote, we submit, we help, we aid, we serve, we speak prophetically to, justice to, but we don't put our hope in. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And so every head bow and every eye closed.